0: Join the guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting MaxLawEvents.com.
1: Welcome to the podcast edition of Maximum Growth Live, the number one program for lawyers who want to grow their practices. Each week, our hosts, Seth Price and Jay Ruane tackle the fundamental questions about how to grow the profit and profitability of your law firm. To watch the program live, submit your questions and hear the latest episode. Tune in every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Facebook for our live show. Maximum Growth Live is a production of Maximum Lawyer Media.
2: And welcome to another edition of Maximum Growth Live. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Ruane, CEO of FirmFlex Finalize, as well as Ruane Attorneys, a civil rights and criminal defense firm here in Connecticut. Alongside me, as always, my good friend, Seth Price, hanging out down greater DC area, the managing partner of Price Benowitz, your DC, Maryland, Virginia, and South Carolina juggernaut law firm, as well as the founder of Blue Shark Digital, your SEO for law firms as well as other agencies all across the great states uh, that we have here in the United States of America. Seth, it's been a while
3: since we've been together, so I wanted to say, how are you doing this week? Doing well. Just got back from Aruba. Awesome family time. Um, you know, a little nervous about Delta going forward, but uh, we are uh, rare to go and uh, hitting everything on all cylinders. Yeah, you know, we've got school starting here in the Northeast next week.
2: Uh, and from everything I know, I am suspecting sometime in September that my kids are going to bring home Delta. And I'm going to be, uh, be laid up for a while because it just seems to be running rampant. But I have my vaccine. Uh, everybody in my office has their vaccine. And uh, we're hoping to grind it out and, and get through this. And hopefully it's a quick spike and then we're able to get back to business because we are still feeling the ill effects of COVID. Uh, so to speak. Uh, Our business has not returned to where it should have been uh, by now. Uh, And I'm hoping for a more positive uh, third and fourth quarters uh, as we end it, because uh, I don't know how much longer I can sustain this. How's it going down in in, in your neck of the woods?
3: Significantly better. Again, we're uh, we're coming out strong. Um, You know, it was uh, definitely a a dip, but uh, I think that the we we trimmed some fat. We had PPP. We put ourselves in good position, and you know, looking forward, uh, very bullish on what what's going on. I think that um, you know we've been working smarter uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and asking some real tough questions you know, during this time. And we'll probably talk about this in the future. We did, uh, you know, we, we basically uh, furloughed or, or, or returned a practice group, uh, you know, took it out of the firm. And we, we J- Jim Hacking's group, uh, took over our immigration practice. And it's amazing that, you know, by focusing on uh, less things, doing, you know, doing less things well, uh, you know, I'm a guy who likes doing a lot of different things, we've lots of different practice areas, but sort of just like your worst 10% employees, looking at your worst 10% you know, business lines and, and sort of cutting those skews, um, a lot of labor, a lot of spinning wheels and not a lot of profit and trying to identify which ones are profitable. Uh, you know, previous shows we talked giving back some real estate so that we have a smaller footprint going into this uh, new normal. Uh, but, you know, looking at the Blue Shark as a counter thing, business is great, but I'm really at the moment struggling to figure out, are we going back to a physical space? We have a lease on the table for a beautiful space, a really cool, the coolest neighborhood in D.C. Uh, by Union Market, but it's an open floor plan. And am I kidding myself? Like. You know, you know, we have somebody coming on talking about uh, software that helps you get a pulse on what people are doing. And I see freneticness of people changing their minds. I want to go back to the office. I need to go back to the office. Oh, Delta, I have to wear a mask. No, I don't want to go back to the office. Right. And going day to day. And then they're like, yeah, screw it. I'll come with the mask. And, and so it's really been uh, very frustrating trying to get and make decisions for the longer term when people's feelings are changing in the short term.
2: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I'm in a big office park here in Connecticut. And in my building uh, is Prudential Prudential has 400 employees across, I think like four floors in my building. And uh, I was talking to the guy who owns the deli in, in the on the first floor. And he's really struggling because he was told that Prudential was coming back in September. And now they've told them no, we're not coming back. We're not coming back anybody in the office until January. And when we come back in January, only 120 people are going to be coming back. And oh, by the way, it's going to be hotel style. So the max we're going to allow is going to be 40 people per day uh, coming into the office. So he's gone from 400 people coming into his deli to now he's expecting 40. and That's a huge hit to him. Uh, And I think a lot of other big businesses are that way. It gives us an opportunity as small businesses, if you're looking for space to take advantage of some of these opportunities with these uh, mega landlords. But it also means, is it the right time? I mean, if you're looking at how other companies are functioning, if you are functional remote, you just stay that way and ride this out for another year. And the idea of that is just mind blowing that we would be 16 months into it and saying, hey, maybe we get to 24 months or 30 months before we make any hard decisions about office space. And that's a that's that's a long time in the lifespan of a small business uh, to have some uncertainty, don't you think?
3: No, absolutely. So uh, I I sit here as an apropos guest we have because part of it is, you know, trying to crowdsource what people want, because if they want space to be coming back to, I'd love to have them there. Uh, and look for most of our listeners that, you know, th- th- there's some form of a law firm that's there. But, you know, do people need to be there every day? Are certain employees can they work remote? Now, we've been talking about it for months. But I think one of the hardest things is trying to really get a pulse on what people want to help you make those decisions. And we couldn't have a better guest to talk to us about trying to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I
2: think this is going to be one of the topics that a lot of people on the street are going to be talking about uh, while at maximum lawyer conference in October hopefully by then we have a better sense of it. But tell us a little about who our, uh, our guest is today, yeah. so that yeah. we can uh, we can get to the interview because I think it's going to be helpful to a lot of people in our audience.
3: Right, David Hassel is the founder of Fifteen Five, uh, an incredible software. I know it's been on your radar for over a decade. Um, one of the a college buddy who was planning my UPenn reunion uh, happens to be in the C-suite team there, and you uh, I was like, "What is this?" And I asked him, and I was like, "Oh, we could use that." And then COVID hit, and I was like, "Oh, the ability to touch employees and get their feedback." And really work with them to figure out what their needs, wants, desires, what's going what right, what's going wrong has been really uh, you know big. Uh, rolled it out first at Blue Shark and now at Price Benowitz. And it, look, we, you and I both have over time looked at polling of employees, but these guys do it smart, elegant. Um, and, uh, I think with this guy, who's like a an incredible entrepreneur. He was led the, uh, the EO division of, in San Francisco. He was, uh, with YPO, um, you know, he's done and lived in this entrepreneurial world. And as we talk about culture and we talk about all the greats that we've had on the show before with Vern Harnish and talking about traction and strategic coaching, all these different things, this guy is somebody that's actually giving a useful tool what he's built is really a platform that you know, we talk about all these different pieces, touch points and culture and communication. Um, there are very few things that I've seen that have made this much of an impact in trying to connect uh, management and employees. Yeah, and, I'll, and I'm gonna I, 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 I try to avoid telling
2: him but you know, I signed up for a trial got the questions automated in a drip campaign because uh, early on when I heard about it, I thought it was great. But I was like, I can't afford this software uh, per seat. Now I can and it's phenomenal. um, But it's something that uh, I I, I would highly recommend I was really excited when we booked him as a guest just because uh, I've been a devotee of this type of engagement for a long time. Uh, and, and and why don't we just do this? Why don't we take a break? We'll hear from our sponsors. Uh, and then when we get back, we're gonna bring in David. We'll talk a little bit more about 15.5, what it can do, how he's taken it to the uh, software uh, stratosphere that he's done. Uh, I think, you know, there's, there's no time like the present. Let's just get him in here. What do you say? Let's do it. All right, folks, we'll be right back with more Maximum Growth Live.
0: Have you heard? Max Lacan is back live and in person this fall at the Ameristar Casino Resort and Spa in St. Charles, Missouri. This event is for you if you're searching for the best ways to scale your law firm and you're craving connections with like-minded legal entrepreneurs. Max Lacan 2021 has an exclusive Guild Member Mastermind Day on Monday, October 11th with the two-day general conference on Tuesday, October 12th and Wednesday, October 13th. These two days will be full of actionable, proven, strategic content from experts that have been in your shoes. To learn more and grab your ticket today, head to maxlawcon.com.
3: We're thrilled to have David Hassel here, the founder of 15.5. Welcome to the show. You know, I know Jay's Thank been following 15.5 for years. I got to know it through a college classmate, like John Greenwald, who uh, works with you guys. and. It really is one of those things that you don't really know that you need until you, you know, you can't imagine what it can do until you. So tell everybody what you guys do and, and how it works.
4: Yeah, that's great. And it really is. I mean, I think that when we started out, that was the the common feedback. People would say, you know, I didn't really know I needed this thing. And then when I started using it, I can't imagine running my business without it. And we started out with this very simple concept. And it came from my own uh, background, graduating from college as a computer engineer, working at a big consulting company where... um, I had a pretty terrible experience as an employee, <laughs> and uh, and and I think that propelled me in entrepreneurship a lot earlier than it would have otherwise. Um, and later in my career, I was working with a lot of CEOs and their leadership teams, helping them define you know what did they want to create, where did they want to go in their business, what was their vision, uh, how did they want to get there, and there was this disconnect between. The teams and what they wanted to accomplish and their ability to get their employees on board. And uh, 15.5 was originally designed to bridge that gap between leadership, giving them visibility into what's happening with their team and a pulse on their organization. But also giving the employees a voice and an ability to share everything from here's what's going great about my role here are the challenges i'm facing here's what i'm upset about Um, here are the things i think you should know that need to be fixed and just creating this streamlined communication from top to bottom in the organization Uh, we've since moved on to becoming a full-fledged performance management and employee engagement platform so we work not only with business leaders like CEOs or, or in your case, folks who are running law firms, but also their HR teams.
3: You know, so just before COVID, thanks to John, I signed up for both Price Benowitz and for Blue Shark Digital. And I got to say, like timing couldn't have been better. I know the pandemic isn't a, a positive, but for somebody who's running a, a feedback for virtual workforces, it, it's been a godsend. The idea, and I could say yes. personally that on the Blue Shark side specifically, we have gotten valuable feedback from employees that is almost impossible to gain during uh, during a pandemic, because you just don't have those extra touches, those by the ways, exactly. the water cooler conversations. Um, talk to me, you know, as an entrepreneur yourself, you know, putting this together, at, yeah. what are some of the sort of things that you have seen companies leverage 1554? What are some of the things that like, as I say, you don't know what you don't know, what are the things that um, people could hope to find by by sort of digging deep and rolling the platform out?
4: Yeah, yeah. Well, the, at the, at the... Very basic things. So we focus our product on kind of three different entry points of where a customer might come in um, and the, the actually now there's four uh, and and the four p- kind of products that we now offer are cor- called it, we Perform, Engage, Focus, and Transform. Uh, three of those are software. One, Transform is more education oriented so we help you and your managers up level your skills to, to to really be great leaders and great managers. That's a, that's a separate thing. But in terms of the Focus, Engage, and Perform, uh, we'll have kind Customers who come in and say, you know, I really want to overhaul my performance management practices to make sure we're assessing people and helping them and supporting them and growing the engage. I want to get an MRI of what's going on in my organization, understanding the underlying key drivers of why people might be disengaged and and also on a per manager basis. So each manager can have a very uh, customized bespoke plan to help improve their specific team. Uh, And then the focus is, are we are, are we aligning the whole company around the right objectives and whatnot. And the thing that runs as a through line through it all is the is the product that 15.5 is named after, which is this idea of a check-in where once a week, every employee spends 15 minutes a week writing a report that takes their manager no more than five minutes to read. And it's that cadence of communication. What's interesting that you said, you know, now we realize in the pandemic and we're working distributed that we need something like this because we don't have those touch points. Uh, we've had a bunch of people who, um, they're now coming to 15.5 because they don't feel like they have those touch points, but they're actually realizing they could have used this even when they were all in the same place together. Because even though you have social conversations and they maybe they, they tend to be more unstructured, by having a focused, structured cadence of asking the right questions week over week, even if you're sitting next to the person, you're probably going to get even better intel and in, info uh, from your teammates um and some of the things that uh, you know to that point uh, I'll just say you know we have we have customers who say oh, you know like even when you know we were an early company we were five people i said look we got to start using the product this probably doesn't make sense for us and and literally on the first week i learned things about my co-founder that we hadn't even known uh, be, through through using it so we hear stories like that all the time in fact one extreme was one of my early investors said i don't know why people lie to my face but they tell me the truth in 155 and just the quality of feedback um, for, you know, for some reason, the way we've designed it really is inviting for people to, you know, have have more courage to open up and share what's what's really going on.
3: It's funny you say that because Jay and I each independently on the cheap, even before even, I didn't even know you guys existed. Jay had read about you in Inc. years ago. But um, yep. we both did our own drip campaigns on a weekly basis. And it worked sort of uh-huh. at the beginning, but there definitely was not a sustainability. Uh, so I, I've definitely seen the difference of I mean, it. You, you hate to... You, you could think you could do it yourself, but it really, the, the way it's all put together is, is pretty special. You know, you spent yeah. a lot of time dealing with entrepreneurs, both through 15.5, yes. and I believe you were uh, with EO and ran the San Francisco chapter, which must be an insane, amazing group of uh, people out there.
4: Amazing group of people, yes.
3: What are some of the takeaways of you as you crowdsource what people, whether both use fifteen five, but what are some of the sort of things that you see? Like you know, as people are saying, as lawyer entrepreneurs are trying to say, "Hey, I want to tip my toe into this." What are some of the sort of immediate bangs for the buck, and what are some of the mistakes people use when they're trying to uh, leverage this technology?
4: Yeah, I I think it's important to and, and look, we we have a um, we have a bit of a, a deeper. Uh, purpose beyond just, uh, well, I I shouldn't say that. We we have a deeper human purpose uh, as a business where we believe that the best organizations in the world are the ones who can inspire people to have people be intrinsically motivated, passionate about their work, committed to excellence, all these different things. And historical management practices are really designed, uh, they come out of the industrial revolution. There's a lot of holdovers from that that are really designed to try to incent people to do more efficient work and get things, you know, get things done and there's carrot and stick type management. Like you're going to get this bonus if you get these things done and you're going to get this punishment if you don't do a good job um, and those types of things. And they do work. They are motivators. I mean, they historically have worked, but they fall short in getting really the best out of people. Uh, And so, you know, our, our big belief is we can create better organizations that win financially and win in the marketplace by supporting the people in those organizations and thriving rather than at the expense of them. Because if you have people there who are more mercenistic, they're coming in you know, just for a paycheck and they don't really have a loyalty to your organization, they're going to do the bare minimum to get their promotion, to get their job, to get their paycheck. But are they really going to take care of your customers in the way that you're committed to? Um, And are they really going to do the best work of their lives? And and I would say no. And so we've kind of studied the science of uh, positive psychology and intrinsic motivation and understand, you know, how how to um, really kind of create a, a more healthy inspired culture. Because honestly, the biggest challenge every CEO and entrepreneur has is people. Uh, It's the biggest line item in your business. Um, It's the biggest risk in your business if people aren't performing. Um, You know, when you when you are a small team, you have so much influence. If you have two or three or five people or even maybe ten, you have so much influence. over the the specific outcomes but when you're like a company like ours we have 230 people um, i can't control every interaction that's happening in the company i can't control every customer uh you know what we're building in product and what we're you know the conversations we're having with customers so we have to have a, a culture and a group of people who are deep commitment to creating great outcomes for our customers and our business and, and all of that really comes back to people and culture
2: you know, I, I have a question for you, um, and and this yeah. is something that I think maybe some of our audience might uh, be inquisitive of. And, and you mentioned it a, a little earlier on. Why do you think that sometimes people are more honest in filling out uh, their their report Correct. than in that than in that conversation? Because I've had people who yep. I'll walk by in the hallway and be like, "How you doing?" I'm doing great. And then 20 minutes later, I'll get the, "How are you feeling?" Eh. You know, that type of thing. And <laughs> exactly. I'm saying, you literally, buddy, you just told me you're doing great. And now you're being honest with me because I got to assume. Yes. So why do you think there's sort of that anonymity breeds honesty? And, uh, and, yeah, and what's, that... uh,
4: what's ironic is it's not anonymous. I mean, we do have some anonymous feedback in our in our. Uh in our engagement surveys, but in the, in the check-ins it's not. And I, I, I have, I have theories. We haven't scientifically proven this, but, um, but from my observations and having been in this business a long time and talking with a lot of other CEOs and seeing the pattern, I think it comes down to a few things. One is that we have, um, kind of social norms. Uh, most of us walk around just like you said, and you say, you know, how are you? You're like, Oh, I'm great. You know, even if you're not right? It's, it's, it's not, it's not a uh, necessarily socially acceptable to go into a whole litany of all the things you're, you're dealing with, you know, and your problems. You're like, yeah, I'm good. How are you? How are you? And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's just kind of social interaction. The other is a lot of people have social anxiety. Uh, if you're in a one-on-one meeting with somebody and there's discomfort there, and, and there's a there's a tendency to want to hide and not be forthright. Uh, for some people, that comes up in groups. For some people, that comes up in one-on-ones. Uh, some people are more open and vulnerable than others, but most people don't have that added anxiety when they're sitting with their computer and their keyboard, which they feel very safe with, even though you're on the other end of it. And so, in that space of uh, you know, of kind of feeling more relaxed, and then also being prompted with very specific questions. Um, It's kind of you know, it's almost, it almost be a little weird to sit down every time you talk to someone and go through each one of these questions, right? But, but the form invites you to reflect on different aspects of your role. And we recommend, um, the standard structure. If you're a new 15, five is a, a quick check in on a pulse on how are you feeling about your work this week on a scale of one to five, you can, you can give context, always starting with the positive. So saying what's going well, most of us never ask that question. We're always so focused on the negative and that puts us in this negative brain state. But if we're, if we're actually looking and like, Oh yeah, some things are going well and that we have the success here celebrating those wins it puts you in a um in it both gets you more grounded in reality and probably that the world is not as bad as it looks because we all tend to you know the way our brains are wired look for what's wrong uh and then we go into the space of okay well what are the challenges we're facing and by asking things in that order, uh, it, does, it does. there is some science behind it, and it does uh, elicit more of an openness to be honest and to share the challenges. And as, as people do that, and as people learn to become more open and vulnerable and realize that nothing bad happened, uh, then trust deepens between the manager and employee, and that's a big focus of ours is, is increasing that trust in those relationships because trust is really at the root of everything.
2: Now I got to tell you something, and I don't know if you've heard this before. You may have. Um, I'm mm-hmm. big into systems. I actually use your check-in questions with my family at dinner every night, <laughs> um, because <laughs> That's amazing it, it, because it allows it gives me something to 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 you know engage with my kids. I have four kids yeah. under twelve, um, and so pulling stuff out of them is often tough. Um, but I want to ask him what's going. What's going? What happened? That was great for you this week. Where did you have a yeah. challenge? Where can I help you? You know, my son said to me, "I really want to be a pitcher." On my travel baseball team, and I'm not getting a chance to do that. So I said, "Well, let's get you some lessons and get you in front of uh, your coach again." That type of thing. And so it's been wonderful for me, the systems guy, <laughs> with uh, with actually engaging with my family. So uh, I want to. I want to. I don't know if you've heard that from any of your other users, but it's a tip for people out there. Uh, you You don't just have to use it at work.
4: Right. I love that. It's so good. And I'm such a big believer in systems and structure to, you know, kind of repeatedly, you know, one of the things that I talk about is how can we model the things that the best managers in the world naturally do and then systematize that so that it's like management for dummies like every manager who does this is going to be a much better manager yeah, uh, and in, in your case those questions are so powerful right because it gets people to open up and have a dialogue and so that's so cool that uh, yes, I hear a, that you're doing that
3: so I got I got something we, we've had past guests like Vern Harnish on a lot of uh, yes. listeners follow scaling up others are in strategic <laughs> coach others love traction and EOS all that stuff yes. what are your thoughts at for people whatever your whatever your chosen sort of methodology or philosophy you're doing is what are some of the ways that what have you learned as far as leveraging the technologies you guys have developed into some of those different business management groups
4: I, I love that you mentioned both Vern and uh, and Traction and Gina Wickman's work. I, I I'm, I'm big fans of of both of them. Um, Vern is now uh, an investor in Fifteen Five. He was an investor oh, wow. in Amplify, the company the company we acquired back in April, uh, which is the engagement platform. And so so now is now as a Fifteen Five shareholder. Um, and 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 I I discovered Vern's work back in 2003, and I it was a huge aha for me of like oh my god here's this structure I can put in place to run my business, which at the time I was running an ad tech company in New York City and it was chaos. And 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 that took a lot of the chaos away. And then when I discovered traction in gina Wickman's work, again it was like, oh, here's another take on this. Um and and so we have customers who are, you know, Rockefeller habits and scaling up adherence from Vern and, and EOS adherence. Um one of the commonalities that both of those systems look at and the structures, and I will say that, you know, I had studied those systems. I'd helped companies implement them prior to 2010 and they definitely the idea of communication rhythms and those kind of business structures was in the background in, in the design for 155 so a lot of people who practice them say oh yeah this makes sense I understand that um, because they definitely informed my thinking on, on how to how to do these things um, one of the things that's that the commonality there is they both use they both organize people's focus around big key objectives and i think both use the terminology rocks uh in those systems uh and then you know in silicon valley people talk about okrs which are essentially rocks but it stands for objectives and key results so all businesses all organizations have the challenge of how do we get the important but not urgent done and what are the like what are the three things that are the most important relative to the hundred or a thousand things that we probably could or should do. And you have to dial those things down and focus, uh, focus energy. I was actually talking with the, the, the visionary, the, the current leader at EOS, uh, this past week. And he was saying, look, our whole, um, uh, business is about aligning human energy. And I loved how simple they boiled it down to that. And so, um, you know, I had the idea that early on, it's great if you're doing rocks and OKRs, and or you know, historically you might call them MBOs. But most people, what they do is they decide what they're going to be, they write them down in a Google document, they start off their quarter or their year, and then at the end of the quarter they look at them and say, "How we do?" And problem is, what are you going to do? Like it's either done or not. But are you, you know, if, if you're off track, you're off track, and there's you can't go back in time. So with 15.5, one of the things that we did is we said, well, we already have people checking in with their manager once a week. Why don't we show them their rocks? And they can just quickly green, yellow, red it. So now you have 13 chances to, to make sure you're on track. And if someone goes from green to red red in week seven or week eight, you can have a conversation that says, hey, oh, what's going on here? How do we get this back on track? Do you need some support? Um, so that's, that's how a lot of people we use, who, who practice EOS or traction will use 15.5 to manage their rocks in the communication between managers and employees throughout the organization uh, and then also use you know the fifteen-five weekly check-in as one of their key communication rhythms to ensure the company is cascading information the right way
3: perhaps that may be a, a future joint venture if we could get the uh, the eos yes. online platform which is pretty cool but as you see it sometimes gets set and you forget about it for the quarter integrated into something that you're using on a regular basis that'd be really
4: cool that would be really cool yeah yeah and i i uh, i i love i love what that team has has done and built and and uh, we're you know we're exploring ways that we can we can support each other that's awesome that's
2: awesome so let me ask you this you know covid really sort of changed the game for a lot of small service organizations like law firms, the ones that are, are, are watching today, mm-hmm. uh, but, but touched a ton of businesses. Um, and so you with your perspective across the board, because you don't deal with just service based businesses like Seth and I run, you deal with other types of agencies, other types of, uh, of manufacturing businesses, I'm sure, uh, product yes. companies, software companies, how do you think COVID has sort of changed the, um, the way people interpret their workplace? And more specifically, how do you think um, that both employees and employers um, need to change with the new model of how workplaces are going to be probably over the next five to 10 years? Because there's absolutely going to be this rise in remote and hybrid and hotel style. And and that sort of has, you know, that just happened. You know, 15 months ago, that all of a sudden, we yeah. went from a a 70 year tradition of everyone showing up at the <laughs> office right. at 830, yeah. grabbing a cup of coffee, and then leaving at five or six to now, who knows where anybody is. So from an employer perspective, what do they need to do? But also from an employee perspective, what do we be, need to be cognizant of when we're dealing with our employees? Because uh, you probably have a better, you know, 1000 foot view than Seth or I do, because we're in the weeds.
4: It's such a great question, and it's it's um, you know uh, one of the things I thought was very interesting is that there were so many CEOs, and I'm in I'm in a number of different networks now, be, you know beyond EO, I'm in YPO, and I'm in this thing called 10 CEO, which is mostly tech uh, you know tech companies in the, in Silicon Valley, and there was um, even even in technology there was a pretty strong skepticism that CEOs would have that if we were remote or distributed uh, we wouldn't be as productive. And uh, when when COVID, when we had that first two weeks to stop the spread i wrote a very long article on medium uh and it was a guide for ceos and said here's everything i've learned about leading remote and distributed teams because you're going to need it because we're going to be doing this for at least 18 months (laughs) and uh um yeah so and and people at the time were like no this thing will be done by the summer i was like no this is going to be 18 months maybe longer and here's the situation we got we all have to get good at this right now two things were were pretty surprising for many of the CEO skeptics I know, one, within about a month, they realized they could get all their work done. Um, they didn't have to worry about their people not working enough or you know messing around and not showing up. They actually had the opposite problem. People were working too much and experiencing burnout um, also because of the lack of human connection uh, that they were getting from naturally in the office. So So it kind of blew people's misconceptions about can we actually be productive? People still, a lot of people still have a preference to work together, and that's great. And I think, you know, I think where the world is moving now is around a employee choice. Uh, the best people are going to choose. Hey, I want to be in a, in a city, and I want to be in an office, or they're going to choose. Like I live in Sedona, Arizona. We've got, I've got a, you know, a number of tech CEOs have moved to town here, um, and you know, I'm two hours from an airport, and I've been running the company from here for for years. Um, and so, you know, the best talent is going to choose where they want to be. And if you want the best talent, you've got to. You You've got to accommodate that. Um, and you might just say, look, we're an office culture. And you'll find the people who love that. Um, but companies who really want to be more broad and maybe explore outside of a regional area, which may actually have some cost advantages, uh, will have you know have to create more of this choice. The other thing that uh, a lot of the uh, heads of people that I talked to, CHROs and whatnot, uh, they almost universally said, we've realized that the emotional and psychological well-being of our people is something we actually have to care about and and to some extent be responsible for. We can't, obviously, you can't be responsible for everybody's mental health, health, but, but it is it has been a real big challenge for people who tend to be naturally, um, you know, outgoing and, and, and more extroverted. Uh, other people who have different situations, some are with their families and they love it. Some are with their families and like, I need to be I wish I was out of the house eight hours a day. Other people are living alone and, and dealing with isolation. And, and so uh, those can have massive, massive impacts on people's productivity. Uh, and, and that employee well-being is something that we have to be tuned into. And understand, and, and, and I think destigmatize um, some of the conversations around mental health. Um, you know, giving people the opportunity to take mental health days when they need it, um, to 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 renew or reset, and encouraging uh, people to find ways to care for themselves so they can show up uh, and 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 be their best. Uh, so so those those are a couple of things that I think as leaders we just need to get really good at. We have to be good at being remote first, even if our preference is being in an office. Uh, we have a big office in Raleigh, North Carolina, but now with restrictions, people are back working from home. Um, I, I think we'll have a hub model from now on where we have offices in different cities if people want to do that. And then if you want to work remotely and uh, we accommodate that as well. So we run the company as if, and we've been doing this since, since 2012 anyway, but we, we've always run the company as if we're a remote first organization. Even though we had 50 people in one office, 50 in another, uh, everyone would show up on Zoom and Zoom meetings and each have their own camera uh, as if they were in their home, but they, they happen to be co-located. So I think that's, that's really the model I think that works best.
3: It's funny because it leads to like three thoughts before I pass back to Jay, but first is exactly that, which is I'm sort of struggling right now with our marketing agency, Blue Shark, because you have people that have been away. We literally turned the keys in at the end of last year, so it's been fully remote. We're using the polling service. They use the polling to to a fault to find out what people want. But I'm finding that in this COVID culture, people's minds change daily or weekly sometimes faster, you know, from with Delta coming out, do they want to be in now They they do now they don't, you know, you might have to wear a mask, then they don't want to come. So is can you possibly over listen, in the sense that, you know, sort of like with my kids, if I ask them a question, um, you know, very often, they tell me something, If I wait 20 minutes is a different answer. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when and how it's asked? Is there been any sort of thoughts as to when questions are asked, just like uh, Jay and I have always mm-hmm. talked about, like a, jur- a judge that sentenced somebody before or after lunch in a courtroom, you know, are there thick cues even in a uh, disassociated world where you get different answers depending on how things are asked or when they're asked? So
4: it's a, it's a great question. I think universally, um, people generally want to know that they were heard and their their. um what they shared was considered. They don't necessarily always need to have what they asked for fulfilled, and I think that's an important um, understanding to have because uh, otherwise, there are definitely leaders who historically would say, "I don't even want to deal with the, field, deal with the feedback" because you know I'm going to feel like I have to do all this stuff. And that's not the case. I think the important thing is, you know, it is your job to tease out the signal from the noise and then to uh to use all of that as input to try to get to the the deeper level and, and and cultivate empathy for what are people going uh through and and what are the key themes and 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 how how could we solve this most effectively that's also in line with our values and our budget and everything else um and so i i think to that point uh I'm not sure about you know kind of the frequency. I do think that, I do think that current events will certainly change how people respond in a moment, and that's that's the interesting thing about you know we have this 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 engagement platform that we bought, a company called Amplify, and we recommend people do it three to four times a year. And there's always going to be some influence over what's happening immediately right now, this week, in the company or in the world. And you have to kind of like uh, account for that, and and then but also long term you should you should see some some you know some consistent trends, and so you have to you have to have the, a little bit of an intuition about what to t- what to pull out and what to you know kind of take as truth, and and I think ultimately being able to come back to your team and say here's here are some of the things I've heard. And here's what we can do, and here's what we're not going to do right now. And I've, I've considered all the feedback, and I know this is a really tough time. And then, you know, trying to craft, you know, whatever whatever your policies are from a place of uh, from a place of care and empathy for the different. Things people are going through. For example, you know we're we're going to be meeting our entire senior leadership team in Austin next week, and we said, look, um, you know, here if you want to come, you've got to wear a mask on the plane, you've got to be vaccinated, and if you don't, that's okay too. We're going to accommodate. We'll have Zoom, and we want people to feel safe and comfortable. And so, um, you know, again. Uh, give it, You know, and there's there's a lot of lot, lot of different um, perspectives on on whether to, you know that people have around being vaccinated or not. So, you know, we're not going to force anyone to do that. Um, but also, you know, we're going to have rules around gathering and and being in the office and and accommodate people who who need to make uh, a different choice, for whatever reason, uh, in a way that supports them as well.
3: I laugh because I feel like I've just gone through this internally. My final question right. before I flip back to Jay to conclude is um, a lot of our listeners and, and myself and uh, Jay have turned to overseas work. Not only did the ripping mm-hmm. off the band aid make us go national, but international. What are some of yeah. the lessons learned uh, using 15.5 with a global workforce? In one sense, uh, a lot of our listeners and viewers look at it as a virtual assistant, almost like a, a,
5: yes.
4: a
3: you know, it's a widget. I have tried to, and I don't love that term, and some of our, our guests have talked about, you know, just it's it's team members, but what are some of the things and ways that you've seen people leverage this technology to help with overcoming cultural and international boundaries?
4: Yeah, it's a great question. Well, first of all, one of the biggest challenges international, uh, you know, we, we span... Uh, San Francisco to Poland uh, right now. So we have a pretty big time different differential. And early on, you know, just in terms of organizing teams, we had some teams, you know, who were in the Bay Area working with teams that were in Europe, and, and it can be really challenging. And now, you know, we have folks on the East Coast now, so we try to pair as much as possible squads, but, you know, between East Coast and Europe and then between East Coast and West Coast so that there's not as big of a time differential. But that does lend itself to... Um, you know, to, to more, n- the need for more asynchronous work, uh, and, and not having as much, uh, time zone overlap. So that's the first thing I'll just, I'll just say, uh, culturally, I do think that, um, there are cultural differences and, and, and especially if you have different languages, um, currently 15.5, we, we support all of the, the, the application and the prompts in English, even though some people choose to then, uh, you know, kind of answer in whatever their native tongue is um and 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 that works for some folks and work and doesn't for others uh we we practice as an organization the english language internally and so even our employees who are in poland or ukraine or portugal uh will engage in english on slack and in 15.5 and um we've actually had you know, we're a pretty progressive culture in terms of the human values, and really big focus on uh, helping to p- unlock people's potential and helping to cultivate uh, what we call relational mastery. And so we'll do things where we have meetings that are specifically designed just to get people to connect and share about themselves and learn about each other. And, um, you know, uh, one of the things we do is Question Friday, where uh, people come together and one person asks a question and we all go into breakout rooms and share about, you know, a little bit of our, about our lives for 20 minutes on a Friday morning. Uh, we used to, and we still do on Mondays, we start our Monday business meeting. Before we go into all the numbers, we, someone for a month comes on and shares a gratitude, you know, kind of anchoring people on the positive. And, and I remember uh, people saying, like, our European d- engineers would never go for that. And, and ours do. Uh, many of them have said, wow, this is, I'm not getting this. You know, this isn't what, this isn't normal for, what, for my life. And uh, we've invited them to come along. So I do think that culture is an interesting thing. I, I often talk about how you know, culture is not something you, as a business owner you can control, but you do have influence over it, and and it really comes to reinforcing certain values, finding people who are aligned with that, um, and and over time, uh, any group of human beings, like if you took, you know, a, a different person from every state in the U.S. from half from one political party half from another put them on a desert island and left them there for for 10 years you'd come back and there'd be a very very distinct culture because that's what happens when people come together and and you give it time like the, the, you know the people who left england and came here in 17 17- in the 1700s have evolved into what America is today and there's a very different culture here than there was there is in England and so you know your culture will is like a living system it's evolving right now and so you know to that end you may bring people on internationally who have very different uh, differences culturally and it's important to acknowledge that but it's also uh, I, I wouldn't get so to, so set in the idea that they you know they can't fit in and and, and be part of the culture you're creating either.
2: So um, my last uh, issue that I want to discuss with you is going back historically through our data that we accumulated by using those engagement questions, we actually were able to identify things during COVID some great ideas that we were not timely beforehand, that now we had the time now that we had the reduction in uh, our active c- caseload, we were able to start to do some mm-hmm. of those pivots, which have, in essence, saved our business because we have
4: Amazing. continued
2: to flourish and grow, because we have that data. Similarly, yeah, I have found in some of the if I look back historically, uh, about the amount of engagement we've gotten on some of those questions, um, I can sort of see trends when you know, because we're dealing with uh, some professionals who may have, all, you know particular uh, goals for their career, where we're just a stopping Mm -hmm. point on the way. Uh, And we found that by after seeing them leave going back through the historic data, we can tend to see some markers of they are less engaged, Oh, boy, this may be something. And so we can identify people that may not necessarily be with us for the long term. Can you talk about the value of having that data so that you can look at a bigger picture of your organization over two Mm -hmm. years, five years, 10 years? Uh, Because I think that's something that a lot of people miss out when they're not engaging with people and tracking it regularly. Uh, It's one of the things that I think is great about your product.
4: such a great question. And I think it, it is so true. And I think that, you know, it, it's uh, it's as important to, to be reading between the lines as to be reading the lines. Um, you know, if you have somebody who tends to uh to be engaged in providing feedback on a weekly basis and you know they they write in a certain way and all of a sudden you're starting to get one line answers or they're skipping weeks that's that's an indication of like oh I wonder what's going on there and bringing curiosity and so you know every manager should be you know uh trained to look for those signs um and and then to you know to having that historical data you can go and look back and see the differential um there are some things that I think in the future uh we may actually try to try to automate some of that or at least say hey something different here. You should take a look at this and providing some like a heads up hotspot type uh, okay. type report. Okay. Um, Absolutely. But but for, the, but for the most part I think, yeah, I do think it's important to have that data because then you can compare and say like, oh yeah, something's really different. I can look back six months and, and see what it was like.
3: I, I think that would be really useful as a feature because so, anyone can mm. flag it because just not only can the yeah. employees flag, but the managers may not. And something that just sort of says, hey, it may, may be nothing but just double check this Pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. really great stuff, Seth. Anything else? No, thank you so much for your time. This is this has been awesome. We oh, really this great is great. Thank,
4: yeah, you great for thank you for uh, everything you've
3: done, and uh, keep up the great work. Yeah, David, you've got awesome. a phenomenal product.
2: Uh, like I said, I discovered you years and years ago, uh, and I got to tell you, it's been instrumental in allowing me to grow my firm. Uh, so I want to thank you for uh, everything that you've done.
4: No, you're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much.
2: All right, folks, we'll be right back with more Maximum Growth Live.
5: The lawyers who will succeed in the next decade are the ones who are focusing on building their brands where people meet. And there is no place better to build your brand than on social media. With the Firmflex DIY social media plan, hundreds of lawyers like you are using social media to build their brand and become the one lawyer in their community that people know, like and trust. By spending even just five minutes a day on social media marketing, you can engage with hundreds or thousands of people in your local community who will need your services. By cultivating a network of followers, you build a book of business that you can market to the next decade and beyond. If you are looking for a solution to help you jumpstart your social media marketing, look no further than the DIY plan at GetFirmFlex.com. The DIY was created by a small firm lawyer for people just like you helping you connect with local people online and build your brand and engage people in the topics they want to talk about. All for under $100 a month. To find out more, visit GetFirmFlex.com. In this world today, if you want to grow your business, you want to grow your firm, you want to take on more cases and make a bigger impact, you have to have a digital blueprint. Statistically, throughout the time that we've been working with Blue Shark Digital, our law firm, the Atlanta Divorce Law Group, grew over 1,400%.
2: Seth and his team have years of experience in this area. Blue Shark is truly a part of the firm. So I don't consider Blue Shark any different than the employees in my office. Well, Seth, I mean, that was a phenomenal conversation. And, you know, I love being able to, to sort of talk to somebody who scaled himself. I mean, like you said, 15.5 started off as a, as a five person organization. They're now in the hundreds across time zones, across continents, and really actually using the product himself has allowed him to scale. I, I have been a devotee of this type of engagement for a long, long time and I highly recommend it. And we talked a little bit about systems there. I mean, this was just this is just like a, a perfect Jay uh segment. I, I loved it. What were your takeaways?
3: No, look, we've been using it. Um, I admittedly uh, it, it it popped at Blue Shark um, Price. I it's good, but I don't think as you as used as robustly. There's not the buy like anything else. You buy software; it works as well as you allow it to be used. Um, but what I what my takeaways were was digging deeper into this software to figure out what can we do to get to the next level. Can we somehow get our rocks? Uh, integrated in there, something I don't think we're doing, um, and basically putting b- the, the not just the feedback, but looking at how we can look over time to allow people to measure. I think he summed it up well, because we always talk about it, what's not on fire, but what are the things that need to still happen? And it's so tough, even just talking to my law partner, Dave Benowitz, we always go to the problems. What are the problems? What's not? What's versus? Here are the things we need to accomplish this quarter, and I feel like you know it, it follows the J. R. Wayne. Concept of putting those systems in place. And what I enjoyed most, my, my biggest sort of takeaway from this was his mind. This guy literally seen inside more companies. You could just, as he spoke in the second half of the interview, uh, to see the way that he analyzed, evaluated, and was, we all read scaling up, we all read traction, but the idea that there's now, na- to, to then take those concepts and what everybody needs right. and put tools there, create systems because. It's one thing to say systems, it's another to have them. And, you know, while I, it's stroking another check for another piece of software, you know, isn't the most fun thing in the world. I think that this is one of those ones that, like, I really enjoy what we get from it and find it meaningful and find that it allows me a better shot of fulfilling what we learn about from the great uh, authors that we hear, we hear from here.
2: Yeah, you know, that's one of the things I mean, we've all read traction, at least a lot of people in our audience have, I know you have and I have. Uh, And one of the biggest things is, is like you said, you know, you set your goals, and then you you come back 13 weeks later, and you're like, okay, did they happen? Or did they not? That's one of the reasons why I created finalize. uh, And I'm going to do a pure promotion here. uh, For everyone who's listening. Uh, Last week, we launched a product that literally is simple steps right? You fill out every night, what do I need to accomplish tomorrow? And it marches you through that process because just setting a goal isn't going to get anything done. Uh, And In fact, I think what happens is if you set a goal 13 weeks out, but you aren't taking the steps every day to accomplish it, you get 13 weeks out, it's not accomplished, you get dejected, you're less likely to set a goal. Uh, for the next quarter uh, because you didn't accomplish the one from this quarter. So that's one of the th- great things about Finalize uh, is that we are, you know, the way the tech works, software, uh, is it's, it's reminding you every day to get stuff done. Uh, and uh, I got to tell you, I, I used it religiously. while we developed, I mean, it was developed just for me. Right. It was developed just for me because I needed it. Uh and then what I did is I had my brother work with me to actually build it out so other people could use it. And right after we launched two weeks ago, I took myself out of it just to sort of see how my life would be. And man, I, I, I called him up like four days into it. It was like, You gotta get me back into the program uh because I, I can't live without it anymore. I love having somebody who's just hammering me with accountability to get stuff done. So uh that's that, that's my little shameless self-promotion there i hope everybody hearing here uh doesn't doesn't mind me talking about it but it, it's my current baby and, and i'm loving it and and that this brings me up to my last thing and we talked about this at the top of the show you know you talked about uh jettisoning uh, jettisoning your immigration practice but really it was a, a calculated decision you didn't just walk away from it you found somebody who could actually Use it, take it to the next level. But this is something that I think we need to debate about. And I I don't know if it's debate me versus you or you versus somebody else uh, or what it is. But the question is, do you add another product line, a new niche, a new vertical, or do you try to crush the one that you're in? And this is a a lot of people we know have said, I'm going to start up a new firm. I'm going to do it, you know, add a trust in estates practice uh, because it's more paper driven and I can do that. Um, and I wonder if it's worth it to add a trust in estates practice if you're, for example, a personal injury lawyer, where that effort and time you put into uh, more PI would actually have a much easier impact on your bottom line. Um, and I think that needs to be debated on the show. What do you think? I, I do. And I think I could
3: deb- debate both sides internally, like with the own voices, you know, <laughs> I, I want to, you know, we, we love the diversity. It was great when you have issues in one area over another, but you only have so many hours in the day. So, I, you know, we all, you know, you and I are, are definitely like ideas, guys. and you want to put stuff in place. Um, you know, we, we always talk about the six month rule. How does it look after six months? And I, I feel that when when things are rolling, you know, some of the you know you incubate only so long. Uh, I think that the perspective of somebody with one trying to have a second may not be is very different than if I have seven and whether I do an eighth or reduce to six. Um, and so, you know, look, specialized. There's an entire world of digital marketing, for example, where they profess niche, 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 and I, I think it's genius if you I mean because you have to build to critical mass, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, the question is: Could you, once you've built the engine underneath that, can you diversify? Not to hundred different things, but is does, does pulling a second skew or a third skew in going to hurt your focus from the one, or is it going to give you additional revenue and diversity?
2: Excellent. Excellent. All right, folks. So that's going to leave it with us here today here on Maximum Growth Live. I want to thank you for being with us. As always, if you want to keep up with Seth, you can do so on his Blue Shark Digital page. Seth still has running his SEO Insider, which is a phenomenal, phenomenal way to keep track of emerging trends and core fundamental knowledge you need to have in the area of digital marketing. And you know you may say well i'm not the kind of person who who knows this stuff or truly understands this stuff but one of the great thing about the interviews that seth does and i'm i'm, I'm gonna promote you seth because i think it's necessary is that when you're having these conversations you learn so much about it it makes you a better business owner because 90 percent of what most of us do is outsource our labor uh in these particular areas and when you have even just a little bit of knowledge, you can think critically about when you're going to engage somebody. Are they selling you uh, a, a bunch of a bunch of BS? Do they know what they're talking about? And and having that, I think, is, is really, really important. So please join Seth on his SEO Insider Show. Of course, if you wanna talk systems with me, I love them. Uh, as you heard earlier in the show, and you can always join my Systemizing Your Law Firm for Growth Facebook page. I share things every day, uh, new systems. Uh, and one of my systems that we've recently released is that finalized program. So please join us with that. But with that said, I'm gonna leave you today. Any further thoughts, any questions, any anything?
3: No, uh, this is great. And, uh... Uh, good to be back and uh go, go have a great week awesome
2: all right folks we'll see you next week here live on another episode of maximum growth live bye for now
1: thank you for listening to maximum growth live